We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, guys? Welcome into the latest OBR Film Breakdown. This is your Saturday, April 8th episode. Your host, Jake Burns, here. We have a great episode for you. Uh, a draft perspective of some stuff I'm craving here over the last three weeks, preferably some guys who are really deep at some positions or those who are a little bit more well-known in the industry. Uh, and I have some great guests lined up over the next, like I said, two weeks. Today's a fun one. We're going to get to Matt Waldman in just a little bit. Pretty quiet on the Browns front yesterday. We did not see... A whole bunch of news that really mattered. I did notice uh, something relevant was that Kytro Clark, the corner out of Louisville that some of us like, think he's a slot corner. Corey Kinnon did a great job interviewing him, talking to him. He had great perspective on the slot corner spot. He had a visit with the Browns, so a little bit of a connection there. Not that the visits always translate into picks, obviously, but it is a little bit of an indication of where the Browns' interest is. So check that out. If you miss Travis Kelsey coming up to Cleveland to throw the home opener First pitch, spiking it into the ground, well worth your time. Check that out. Otherwise, really quiet on the Browns' front. Not really much worth noting, in my opinion, as we as we launch into today's pod. Uh, at the OBR, we are continuing our draft guide. We hit on Sam Laporta yesterday. Going to have some prospects up for you today on this Saturday. You can check that out in written content form. Jack Duffin also continued pass rushing defensive tackle study, uh, looking at how the Browns can attack that in the draft as well. And then obviously you get your daily mock draft that was up on Friday with a really weird setting in the Pro Football Focus Simulator uh, to see if we could get some different results, which we did. Otherwise, listen, we're going to go over to Matt Waldman, uh, who is today's guest. He does some unparalleled work, and I'm, I'm, again, not blowing smoke at you here. It's not every position, but it is the ones that are skill position ones that I think are often misrepresented in scouting. So Matt has been doing this for a while. Started in 2009, rookie scouting portfolio. You can find it at Matt Waldman RSP. He'll talk about it at the end of this interview. Really great stuff. And he gives perspective that is truly unique and different about, you know, especially running back, wide receiver. I like the way he thinks about those positions because he scouts things that many people don't pay attention to. So anytime I can catch up with Matt before a draft or after a draft, I think it's well worth listening to his opinion. So let's get over to that interview with Matt Waldman right now. Welcoming in Matt to the show. Matt, how are you? I'm doing great, Jake. How about yourself? 
I'm great, man. Listen, I always say this every year. It's it's like a broken record. Anytime I talk about running backs, I want to have you on the show to to go through it. If you guys don't remember, listen, maybe you haven't been following this podcast as long as some others, but but Matt was on the forefront of Nick Chubb is going to be a pretty dang good NFL running back. And I was like, okay, this guy seems to know what he's talking about, and he's been pretty dang good at it every year uh, that I've been paying attention since that draft. That was kind of my first draft cycle that I was on social media paying attention. So always love to get Matt's opinion on everything – skill position and he does a great job as you heard me talk about off air uh, about uh you know uh, his draft guide he puts out everything every every bit of what he does is backed by a lot of work so always love to catch a little bit of matt's time so matt i we, we talked a bit a bit about it before we started here the browns are in a weird spot at running back right they they let kareem hunt andy ernest johnson walk now kareem hunt hasn't signed anywhere i don't have the uh, idea that he'll be back in Cleveland on any kind of cheap deal. Seems like the, that ship has sailed. Uh, Dearness Johnson lands in Jacksonville. So they have two two backs. Obviously, Nick is leading the room. He'll continue to do so. One more year for sure. Two years, I don't know, which is kind of sad because it feels like Nick just started, but they've used up a lot of his good years. And here we are talking about as quarterback contracts make everything in the NFL tight, the fact that they might have to move on from him before too long. So I don't want to freak Browns fans out when this conversation comes up, but at least this year coming up, probably the next year, for sure not a third year. I think you could get really picky about if they wanted to get back value for him if they went uh, a different direction in 2024, but that's not a conversation we have to have right now, but we do need to look ahead. So they have Jerome Ford. I know you and I talked about him last year. He did not get much run this past year, only, I think, 14 carries. So um, there's a lot to be known, uh, right, or not a lot to be known, a lot to figure out about him. Uh, had a strong preseason and nice kick return efforts in season, but didn't get a lot of carries in the backfield. Now, we've talked about him, and we'll, we'll probably I'll bend your ear more in the preseason about what you think of his upcoming year. But what I want to focus on with you today is running backs – in a loaded class. I, I hope you agree with me. I think it's a really good class. So oh, good. yeah, I'm glad you agree. So the Browns are going to grab one. I, I mean, they have had no connection to any veteran at the position. So it tells me they're going to, they, they've Kevin Stefanski's era has always been four guys right now. They only have two NFL running backs. So who knows if they end up keeping a fourth as things evolve offensively with what they're going to do. But like this class is ideal for picking a back in this pick range. So We'll start with 98, we'll end with 142. If they get really hungry for a guy in a top 100 running back and they start to make that decision around pick 98, who are some of the guys that you would give your stamp of approval to that a team like Cleveland should go up and be interested in at 98? I know that's not early, obviously, but it is early for them. And a top 100 pick on a, on a running back is a premium investment for Cleveland. Yeah. So I'd be interested. We're talking about like top of the fourth round, right? You know? Yes, sir. So, yep. so top of the fourth round, there are a lot of guys that are going to fall that – you would have said, you know, relative to the guys who were picked on the first or early second day, um, you're going to say they're not far away, if not maybe better, if depending on where they fit. So when I think of Steven, Kevin Stefanski and I think of the offenses that he's run or the influences that he had, and then you start thinking of Kubiak, then you start thinking of Shanahan a little bit, you start thinking about those guys. You think about the backs that compare stylistically. Maybe not talent-wise, but stylistically to some of these guys. And some of them have real talent. Well, all right. Zach Charbonnet, you know, certainly a guy that he's explosive and rugged enough, I think, to lead an NFL backfield at some point. He's not an Arian Foster-level talent, but he has some skills as an all-around player, as a receiver, as a blocker that can get better. He has some good footwork and cutting abilities. not as dynamic as Foster was. 
but he's kind of in that Alexander Madison vibe. And Alexander Madison is, you know, a, was a really good backup to, to Dalvin Cook who could give you starter production when need be. So while not my favorite of the choices, he certainly is on the list. And he's probably a guy that people will talk up who they'll expect maybe to go a little earlier than that, but might fall to the top fourth round. Kendra Miller, another guy that, you know, 5'11", 215, smooth, sudden, good accelerator. Lamar Miller-like, you know, when you think of the, you know, he can run outside zone. He can run gap plays. He has he has a good punch when he uses it, but he has to stop dropping his head and pass pro. He is um he can make tough catches with body adjustments, but he has to show that he can run certain routes and be a little bit more consistent there. Um, those are guys at the top, and then there's a guy that I love uh, probably more than the consensus who played with Kendra Miller, and that's Zach Evans who is with Ole Miss now. He was a five-star prospect. As I yeah. described in the RSP, he had this quixotic recruiting journey, okay? And it was he was originally going to be signed to Georgia. And you know, if you're a Georgia back, you're pretty good. You know, you're, you know, he signed initially with them, then wound up stopping, decided not to go there. And there were like, he was linked to like five other teams. Next thing you know, he's with TCU and he's a three-star recruit. Well, I don't really care about the stars. That just, you know, how you're recruited for college is different than how you're, than what your NFL value is. And a lot of it is, are you the big, are you already have the adult body or the adult athletic ability and the rest you have to see about the skills. But on the field, I thought up until last year, Zach Evans had better vision than what I saw from Bijan Robinson. Um, I thought he was a better decision maker. I wow. thought he was more creative in efficient manners with um, gap plays, with zone plays. He has a lot of that curvilinear speed to be able to bend around pursuit. Um, he uses moves very efficiently. He sees pre-snap and early post-snap um, the problems and knows how to find the quick answer. And so you're going to hear people say he's not very creative um, because they watched him at Ole Miss last year. They didn't watch him at TCU or else they wouldn't have said that if you ask me. Um, and Ole Miss, he was kind of pigeonholed into like, I'm Mr. Outside and we're going to make Quinshaw Junkins, the freshman of the year, Mr. Inside. And, and then also he had some injuries. He had a turf toe injury. And so when you look at that and then they, they have the narrative of, well, he was at TCU and they got a national championship appearance, but he left just before then. Obviously, he lost the job to Kendra Miller. There's a lot of things that you'd say combined with his recruiting that maybe he's just an immature kid. But what they don't know from what I've dug up, and I can't say this is I know everything about this. I may be wrong, but the counter argument is, is he didn't really have parents who were a great support system for him for his recruiting journey. The guy who in his family who was like the patriarch was his grandfather. And that was his influence. His grandfather died a year before he got recruited. And so he got all that recruiting attention and he handled it himself. And so he got suspended from his high school championship game because he wouldn't give up his cell phone the night before. Not that he was doing any violent crime or dealing drugs or doing anything crazy. He just didn't give up his cell phone. And probably someone who's being heavily recruited probably got a little too involved with that. I can imagine, as I'm sure you can, 
some yeah. immature decisions with people who are 18. 3.75 GPA at TCU as a freshman. You know, academic honor roll for a football player. The only reason, the reason he was leaving, Gary Patterson told the public that there were 30 players this time last year, 30 players that he was expecting to leave because TCU hadn't got their NIL deal together yet. Well, it's not like Zach Evans transferred from TCU to Kent State. No offense to Kent State, but like, you know, he transferred to Ole Miss. You know, it's a, it's a lateral move at worst. At best, mm-hmm. it's an upgrade to where he went. So yeah. when you watch his play, he reminds me of Clinton Portis and Dalvin Cook in terms of like some of the things he does well. He can run for power. He has speed. He's got burst. He can pass protect. He's a very good pass protector at this level of his play right now. Not a lot of pass receiving to his game just yet, but I think he can build on that. Um, runs gapper zone well. He's the type of player that if his career went the way it probably to his talent, he would have been, you would have been talking about him among Jameer Gibbs and Bijan Robinson and Tajay Spears out of Tulane. You would have put him in that top three. I have him running back four pre-draft just based on his talent and his skills. If he falls to the fourth round and they get him, um, you have yours. You have at least a guy you could pair with Jerome Ford and have a nice one-two punch, or he could succeed Nick Chubb if he plays to his level. Yeah, I think I had seen um, a mock. Maybe Chad Reuter had did that on NFL.com that he pegged Evans to Cleveland. Uh, I think it, wow, I think it's I think it's seventy-four. So he thought they would swing up for him right away. Well, Which, Chad's a good friend of mine, so maybe yeah. he was he was being kind, knowing I'm a Browns fan <laughs> and a Zach Evans fan. But yeah, yeah it, caught, it caught a lot of people by surprise, which is um, it shouldn't. It shouldn't. He's a name that's going up boards uh, to the point that it's possible he's not even there for Cleveland. I, I will ask yeah. you this: so the Browns were uh, going, you know, I'm, I'm I lean into data as much as I can. No surprise that they've evolved over time with Kevin. They're they're an off tackle outside run team, gap counter stuff where they like to string outside. They don't run much duo or mid zone from from under center or in the gun. And even when they were in the gun running stuff, it was a lot of pin pull things that push the perimeter because you know Nick is you give Nick a wide variety of things he can do and cut. He's going to usually put you in a pretty good situation, and you have pulling guards who are gifted players that help. So the the thing I think as I continue to think about the evolution of this offense, Matt, is that they are going to become more gun-based, tight zone, more in between the tackle box, not necessarily under center duo stuff, but they're going to be evolving to fit the quarterback skill set for good or bad. That's just the place they're going, the commitment they have made. If they go that route, is there a back that you love as not only a guy who's adept at running the tight mid zone stuff, RPO based things you see in college, but it's also a gifted route runner. He can get out and, and run some routes for you and, and be a guy as a, not necessarily have to be a change of pace to put a label on it, but a guy who can handle the, the pass catching duties on top of, you know, cause we could agree Nick can do it. He's just not comfortable. He looks so uncomfortable doing it at times. He's like, I'll do this. I'm, I'm gifted enough to do it, but it's just an almost an annoying thing that I have to do because it's not my favorite part of the game. I do think they want somebody that can do that because they, they have a quarterback that's going to, like I said, live in the gun and 
give that guy a lot of opportunities to catch checkdowns and various other things. So is there a back or two that you really like, maybe in that 111 to 142 range that are comfortable catching the ball, routes out of the backfield? And also, like I said, can 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 really figure out that one cut downhill approach of that tight zone from the gun that usually is linked to RPO decision making from quarterbacks. Yeah, that's a great question. And when I think about, you know, players who, you know, let me think of, let me look at something real quick. When I think about some of these guys on passing yeah. downs, I mean, Tajay Spears to me, I don't think is going to get that far down the, down the, the, I don't think the, so either. the block either. So let's take him out of the equation. Um, Eric Gray would make sense for a lot of people. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not as high on him as a every down guy. To me, he's kind of a Miles Gaskin, the Weldy Moore type of player than he okay. is. So let's X him out of that um, equation as well. You know, Evans is still in that. Um, I would say Tyon Evans is a competent checkdown option. He's out of Louisville um, yeah. through Tennessee and Hutchinson. He's a bowling ball of a back. He can give you some of that toughness inside and give you that one cut and and get downhill. Um, he's also good with some of the gap plays. I would say Sean Tucker would be is a guy who's going to fall enough that his receiving skills I think are good enough. That and with that speed that could bolster him. His pass protection isn't as good, but I think Evans has a little bit more um, promise as a pass protector. Um, you know, if we're talking just strictly third down guys, you, you know, or guys like Devin A-Chain, I don't think is going to fall either, but I don't think he's as good as like an every down type of back that you would want to look at. So maybe it's, you know, probably probably Chase Brown would be more of a guy who would fall in that range, maybe from, from Illinois. Um, he has, you know, he's a decent pass protector who I think – has promised to be able to handle a variety of box defenders and different types of setups. Certainly has the speed. Some some questions with him as a runner that like aren't awful, but I but you know it's hard because you want when I see Zach Evans again still sitting there on the board, or even Sean Tucker or Tyon Evans as runners, that would be interesting. Or even Evan Hole out mm-hmm. of um, Northwestern. He's one of the best blockers in the class. Um, you know, but as a pass catcher, his hands need a little refinement. Maybe not deal breaker issues, but you know, maybe he can get a little bit better there. Um, and I think that he can do some work. And he, I don't think he's as talented of a runner as maybe Evans, Tucker, Aching, or Brown. Um, you know, from that perspective, Kendra Miller. If, you know, again, if he's a a one, if because they see him as a one year guy he'd be a guy I'd be willing to work with because I think Ford will give them enough. We'll talk about him more down the line, like you said, but he'll give enough that you can look at any of these guys as your third back who can give you competent help if something happens during the year where you need it. Two backs. I have a question for you on before we go to wide receivers, uh, Deuce Vaughn, Keaton Mitchell. So, how do you view those guys? Because they're interesting, right? Uber productive college backs, but small. I mean, dangerously small guys. And Ke- I mean, Deuce is smaller than Keaton, but that's that. That's sort of my question. Like, do you see a fit modern football for those those two to be effective running backs? Not great, but effective. I'm so rooting for Deuce Vaughn. I mean, yeah. I I mean, just I so love watching his game. 
But when I think about how I score players, part of how you score players is what type of success they have against contact from different size defenders. You know, when I look at contact balance, I'm not looking at whether you got a fly swatting hand across the thigh on your way to a 75 yard touchdown. I'm talking about Saquon Barkley's metrics relative to Nick Chubb, who would, you know, bounce off a defensive tackle, hitting him in the hip and drag him three yards. That was way more valuable than whatever, you know, was rated about Barkley from a metric standpoint. So I grade on, you know, hits, wraps, and, uh, and reaches from defenders. And I define what those things are. And I, def- and then I also chart whether it's from a defensive tack, defensive lineman, a linebacker or a defensive back. I mean, those that carry different weights. So, you know, Deuce Vaughn, box defenders, you're not going to see much against box defenders. And that kept his grade lower. If he were 200 pounds and the strength that came from being 200 pounds was there in his game, he'd be a top three back on the in, in this class. That's how good of a running, good of a yeah. football player he is. I just don't think. I think everything weakness for him is just things he can't fix. He can't fix the, yes. the size issues he has. Yeah, so the answer to me is he would need a very specialized role. And yeah. you're talking about 5'5". Five, five. You were quarterback, right? So you Hard to find those guys. You know, Hard to find yeah. those guys out in the flat, right? Yeah. Yeah, so as good as he is, skills-wise, it's hard for me to, to put him there. Um, yep. So, yeah, Keaton Mitchell, certainly a little bit more viable from a size standpoint. Um, my biggest thing is, did East Carolina – naturally just say, look, he's got great speed. He's got great explosion. Let's leverage that as much as possible. But that means we're not, you know, their job isn't to prepare people for the NFL, you know? So, Mm -hmm. but I think that Keaton Mitchell, there's things he's going to have to learn to make the adjustment to the NFL that might be tough to learn because he spent so many years just being like, look, man, let's just get you into space and get, get the most that we can. And, and if, you have to do some things that won't, won't fly in the NFL. Who cares? Cause you're not there, you know, you're here. And, and I think that that's, I, I like the explosion with him, but I, I'm, I don't think you want him as an overall player. I'd rather, I'd rather get a Tucker and Evans or if an A chain somehow fell, you know, or a Brown, someone like that. Those guys have a little more, even Kenny McIntosh out of Georgia or Rashawn, um, Rashawn Johnson. Rashawn Johnson's yeah. intriguing. Like he's not unbelievably explosive, but he's an acrobatic receiver. He's a very promising blocker. He is a rugged running back. Um, mm-hmm. So you don't get the speed, but you do get a lot of the reliability there. And how many miles you, either? You know, he didn't. He didn't take a big beating in college backing up John like that. You know, not many miles. And then if you're talking about inside running, and this is my fave guy, like late. Okay, Jake, this is like, right, this like is UDFA territory. So we'll say this is your back. This is your back pocket guy that you want to get is Christopher Brooks out of BYU who played okay. at Cal. He's 6'1", 235. Okay. He's got quick feet. He's precise. He breaks a ton of tackles. He can move the pile. He can bounce off people and he's got good hands. Um, and he's a good decision maker and he fits like you can run, you can run some counter with him. You can run inside, you know, concepts with him. He's going to help you in the screen game. Um, 
really played well at he also performed well at two schools and then also in the bowl game that he was in the uh what was it the the hula bowl i think it was that he was that he he did well and the last guy i would think is jaleel mclaughlin out of youngstown state um smart runner if you're thinking okay let's 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 take a chance on a speedster who can be a compliment maybe to ford down the line and we can use him as a as that very fast knows how to stay tight to his blockers knows how to get skinny um I think the hands, um, I think the hands need a little work, but they, they're the baseline skills are there for him to be a good pass catcher. Yeah. Browns are just pro day. So they're interested uh, moderately. Right. And I do think they'll be active, right? They were active on that, uh, free agent market. I believe Don, uh, Don Hillier was a UDFA guy, uh, back when they originally brought him into the fold. And then, uh, Dearness Johnson was, I don't know if he was with the USFL or I'm not sure which of the other leagues he was with before he came over to the Browns, but they've been, you know, sort of unearthing some of these guys in the UDFA market. So I, I certainly see two of them. I did look BYU was in the uh, New Mexico Bowl, I think is, is what that is. I, I don't know how dare you, Matt, forget the, 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 the randomness of these bowl games uh, anymore, <laughs> man. How, how 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 hard it is to remember some of these, uh, the Swiss Cheese Bowl and all these things. They come the, up yeah, or the, the, you know, this, the 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 i don't know the saran wrap bowl or whatever yeah. you know yeah, I'm something sure the like reynolds wrap bowl yeah. or something the reynolds yeah. wrap bowl something <laughs> like that <laughs> all right listen we're going to take a quick break uh word from our sponsors then we will be right back and we're going to talk about receivers before we get out of matt's way so be right back we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so weird receiver class in terms of the the classes before it. Those two were so top heavy, loaded, top top of the draft names. This one, we're not really worried about that as Browns fans because they they've done some things. Elijah Moore, right? They've obviously still have Amari Cooper, Donovan Peoples Jones. Well, yeah, hit on that, Matt. I mean, do, do you? I mean, I loved Elijah Moore. Really excited about that and excited about his opportunity here. Did you love him coming out of Ole Miss? 
I did. I did. And it's funny because they used him as a running back a lot in kind of the ways we were just trying to profile in the last segment about scatbacks. Maybe they do a little bit of that with him. Um, But yeah, I think that he was grossly uh, underused in in New York. And you're going to see that they really got themselves a player in a way that um, probably can use him as a flanker, probably can use him as a slot. Um, mm-hmm. as, as a gadget player, but not strictly as a gadget player. So you you got yourselves that was a that was a steal of a of a of a deal. I love hearing that. He he's too gifted as a route runner to like you said be just a gadget player or something. Even you know like he can he can do so many things. He's so adept at attacking blind spots of DBs and turning guys around. So I hope they can make him as good as you and I both feel about him as a player. So they're in um. I still think they're in the market wide receiver. You know, they certainly weren't going after uh, they were previously heavily, in my opinion, leaning at 42, but a couple things, right? Amari Cooper's deal is movable. It's moldable. He's getting closer to 30. It doesn't feel like his cap number is going to be justifiable in a year or two. So they'll run out with Amari for another year or two. And then Donovan Peoples Jones is up for an extension, which is tricky, right? Cause he is very much an esoteric, type of receiver that's limited to very certain that now he's good at what he does but he's not a separation generator and with that comes its own set of issues if you don't have the right people around him so in this draft i think there's still a desire for some things at wide receiver i could see them being interested in those linear vertical route runners that are trying to run the coverage off force teams to play middle of the field open stuff uh you know think trey palmer types those guys who can really run tyler scott's but they're in a weird spot of draft selection where I could see them taking a receiver. They maybe love at 74 if it's the best player they think is available, but I also could see them waiting until 142 because they're not going to force it. So I'm open ended asking you like, who are the guys in that range? Obviously not talking about the Addison's and the Johnston's and the Jackson Smith and Jigba types at the top, even the Josh downs as it works its way back. You're, you're talking again, more early third to late fifth guys in that area that you really have enjoyed studying that you think could potentially be somebody who could either step in for Donovan is more of that X role, right? Vertical guy who catches a lot of things, contested catch abilities. Uh, but then obviously also considering that they would be interested in the right guy who can run and push coverage and be what they hoped Anthony Schwartz would be, but they never got from him uh, at least at this point. So again, I'm putting a lot in your plate, but I, I think there's a, a chance for you to talk about some guys you love. Yeah, this is a weird class because the the reason it's weird is that I think there's eight guys off the board that you say they can be starters in the league pretty quickly um, mm-hmm. within the next year or two. Then there's another eight after that that some of them, half of them could be better than some of the guys in the top eight on my board. But there's also a lot of landmines under their games um, that this could be, this could either be one of the best classes that we didn't realize how good it was and I think that's a remote possibility. I mean, a remote one, but that you can still see the window more. I think there's a disaster here in this, in these middle rounds. So there's nobody I really love who fit the X description, but I'll give you some names that maybe if they fall. Okay. So, you know, for starters, Cedric Tillman, you know, I don't think he's there's, he's getting more and more love again. Um, but he's kind of more of that, kind of more that boundary X who maybe doesn't take the top off the defense, but gives you what Mike Williams would give you or a T Higgins might give you. Um, 
but I like his game a lot. He's a contested catch guy. Marvin Mims, if you put him as an X, I'm, I think of Marvin Mims as kind of like a, a Derek Mason type of player. Maybe he's not ideal as your X receiver. Um, he's small, you know, so you're not getting, but he's a very good contested catch player. Um, why, why are people so down on Marvin Mims? Why has he not been getting the respect he deserves? There, do you think that people just are, are sort of pigeonholing him into something he's not? You know, I don't know. It's weird. I I just watch him and I'm like, this guy's pretty good. I don't really understand why some people have him as like a, like a, I don't know, just inside. Some people I'm just like in the one twenties and they're bored. And I'm like, yeah, Ugh. I don't know. Yeah, man. I don't, I don't know. He's, he certainly has a, he's at the, at the very top of my second tier of receivers, which means he's very close to execute being an immediate starter potential with his game. So he, he will get playing time and, you know, I think he's, you know, he he's someone that reminds me a lot of Santonio Holmes. And wow. when Santonio Holmes was really good, yeah. um, you know, so uh, to me, when you think Derek Mason, Santonio Holmes, that's a steal if that's where he's going to be at. Um, excellent hands. I, you know, the he's had drops, but they they're difficult catch scenarios where he's dropped the ball. Um, he's not maybe a flashy runner after the catch. So when you look at guys like tank Dell or the, or Tyler Scott, you know, and, and you think of those guys as runners, maybe they overshadow him a bit. Um, maybe some of the, the logo scouters out there, the gloss has come off a bit of Oklahoma. Um, so maybe that's part, but I'm just trying to guess, but I like Mims. Um, at AT Perry seems like an ex that I don't love him. But he can when he's got the when he has the um, the light switch turned on and he's got the duct tape over it so that it stays on, you know the route running is is very strong. Um, he can there's a there's a bit of a you know Pickens Devonte Parker esque vibe to what he brings to the table, but both good and bad. Um, so it's the consistency with his game that is kind of bot- worrisome. Jalen Hyatt, look, he's probably going to go a lot earlier. I see him more as a Bernard Berrien, Jamison Williams type of player, but not as not as um consistent. And we haven't seen him make any contested catches, not ones where there's like NFL caliber type coverage against him. You know, yeah. so I'm I have some concerns about that. So then now you're looking at guys like Andre. I don't pronounce his name correctly. Andre Josephus or Josephus. Um, out of Princeton, 6'3", 205, kind of a I just DJ did this last type. night because I, I put out some five guys, and he was one of the ones in the honorable mention for me. It's Yosivish. Yosivish. It's very, very weird based on how it's spelled to how it's said. So anyway, Thank you. Good. So yeah. Yosivish is, you know, is a DJ Chark type of player, like who I think over the within a year or two could really make some, some um, progress with, selling routes a little bit better, but he makes difficult plays at the boundary against tight coverage. He has good timing on back shoulder plays. Um, to me, he's kind of like, if if he comes into camp, expect him to have a Romeo Dubs-like hmm. trajectory during training camp. He's going to make plays everywhere, and then when they ask him to like make adjustments to what the quarterback's thinking, 
and looking at coverages, that's when he's going to start overthinking and he's going to need another year. And you're going to yeah. see some of the cracks in his game go. But Yoshiva, uh, he's he's definitely one there. If you're look, looking for just like a, you know, if you're looking for just a classic, like Alan Lazard-esque work inside out type of player who can occasionally man the X, Justin Shorter might be a guy that's available there. Um, and then really the guy that, I would love to see the Browns get who I think they can get later is Antoine green out of North Carolina. Um, he's six, one, one He can go up and win the ball. He's got the speed you're looking for. Um, he's a, to me, he's like a Michael Gallup type of player. You could kind of get him and he can eventually become that type of guy. I um, mean, I think he's shown more, um, He's shown more this year as with his route game that could get a little bit more development. Those are the guys that I think fit that bill. Um, it, there's not a lot of them. Like Scott bothers me because he clap attacks so many passes. And the last guy, the only guy I've ever seen to be a serial clap attacker of the football where you just, you know, high, low, or just doing all this is Terry McLaurin. And Terry McLaurin mm. is the only, has some of the ugliest hands you've ever seen for a guy who catches the ball. It, it, it just shows you how great of a player he is to catch a ball like that at the pro level in the situations that he catches it. Cause there's nobody else who does that at that level and has his, has the catch percentage that he does. Um, so if you're, this is a class where like the slot flanker hybrid is a better, has a better selection than it does the X. If you ask me, well, you guys heard it. Matt compared Tyler Scott to Terry McLaurin and that settles that this definitive is going to be that player. So now, I, I, I like that's Tyler. awesome. I love that thinking. I love um, that thinking he's listen, that'd be a great outcome for him. That'd be an amazing outcome for him. I, I really enjoyed his tape and learning a lot about him, but the Browns got out of 42. It felt like they could have moved out of the range, right? So it's getting a little murky and I don't know how hungry they are going to be at 74 to address wide receiver when they, when they certainly are looking more clearly in a win now window. So yeah, I don't know, man, this has been great though. There's so many names here. I haven't heard anyone talk about Antoine green. So there's, there's a lot of things that you guys who are listeners can take away from going and learning about players, watching some of the people Matt talked about. Again, one of the best in the business doing not just like baseline scout. I mean, he's, you're, you're, you heard it here. It's it's in-depth, detail-oriented stuff that you're getting from the guys who are doing in the NFL level, right? They're talking about how you catch the football, the way you position your hands, the way you, know, you go about running uh, the football between the tackles and how you're able to handle getting off of whatever types of defenders, right? It's a difference between breaking tackles of a 310 pound three technique and a, and a 160 pound corner, right? So there's just differences there. There's little nuances that we don't probably delve into as much as we should when we do these things, because those are the differences between a person that you love from a stat perspective and somebody you like from a scouting perspective and the stuff that matters, I think the most. So uh, again, I talked about it before we came on the air here with Matt. I'll tell you again, go check out and buy, his uh scott matt i'll let you do it to tell tell everybody where they can find it and and how you know how it's gone this year and, and all that sure you can find it at mattwaldman.com for 21.95 you get a pre-draft and if you're a fantasy player you get a post-draft 
look too, where I re-rank players and you get a cheat sheet that's tiered. So you have tiers across all positions. And I take a sweet, I give a sweet spot analysis. So say when I've recommended, say Patrick Mahomes or Nick Chubb or Justin Jefferson or Cooper Cup above a lot of the consensus, I'm not telling, you know, I show you as a fantasy writer as well, where you can maximize the value to get them based on, I look at the average trap position of a player um, of these players in early drafts. And I compare it to my re-ranking of the player based on fit. And I say, well, Nick Chubb's probably a, a player you can get at the end of round two or early round three, but I think he's better than Saquon Barkley. So you don't have to get him at round one, wait till pick 24. And this is where you're going to be able to get him and guarantee that you got some value without missing out on him. So you get that in that type of analysis as well as like a hundred, another 150 pages of work that I do that, that, that analyzes it from the fantasy perspective. And you get a newsletter throughout the year that gives you an early look at 2024 prospects and thoughts on the 2023 guys um, while they're in camp and during the season and some film breakdowns and early scouting reports. And that's all for 2195 at mattwaldman.com. And, uh, you know, listen, the RSP, from what I'm told by guys like Alex Brown, um, who's the head of recruiting at SNU, is that it's one of the two most purchased independent draft guides that um, scouts take a look at um, when they when he gets a chance to talk to guys, which he does every week, who come to his facility and want to know about his players. You know, he's he's asking them, who do you read? What do you you know, what do you look at out in the space? What are some of the what are some of the products you buy? that are independent of, you know, the analysis that you guys do. So, um, yeah, check it out. I've been doing it for 18 years, mattwaldman.com. Listen, uh, take advantage of that. I I think it's well worth your time and effort. The OBR takes advantage of it. I I will tell you, uh, Matt does unparalleled work, man, and that is not blown smoke. It is hard work, a lot of effort, and stuff that can make you enjoy football more. And like he said at the end there, win more money in your fantasy league. So take advantage of that as well. Matt, we're always privileged to get some of your time, man. Thanks again. Man, it's my pleasure. And anytime I get to talk running backs and Cleveland Browns, me growing <laughs> up in Mayfield Heights, Ohio, I would have uh, I would have told you this was a dream job, and it is. Listen, that's why we. Uh, whenever I ask Matt, I know I'm going to get a, uh, a yes because I said start it with running backs. He knows I'm covering the Browns. I got I got a way in the door, so I take advantage of that. So thanks again, Matt. Thank you. All right, that's a wrap for today's episode. Thanks to Matt for coming by. Appreciate you guys for being here on a Saturday. We had a great Friday uh, franchise mode with Andrew Spade. Go back and check that one out. And then we're going to do a really interesting things I think I know about the Cleveland Browns on Sunday, once again with Brad Ward. So check back in tomorrow for that episode as well. Continue to swing through and check out the OBR's written passages that we're throwing up every day on the website. You guys continue to support, and it amazes me. I appreciate all of the really kind reviews you guys left for the podcast and uh, obviously some of the written words were exceptional as well and make it worth it and I just want to say thank you for that so if you haven't reviewed the pod please do so review the OBR Film Breakdown Podcast Spotify Apple wherever you listen to it have a great Saturday everybody once again thanks for stopping by and go Browns